Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Maricatani with another episode of Weighing In, brought to you by USA Wrestling, the national governing body for wrestling in the United States, and by Nike Wrestling. Go to athletps.com for all of your Nike and USA Wrestling branded gear. Grant Turner is making the world once world better one swish at a time in Canada. Mark Ostrander is on the train. So I am pleased and happy to be joined by my good buddy, from the streets of Kansas City, now the pride of Des Moines, Iowa, former podcast picker Cody Goodwin, who I uh, bugged a lot this weekend on Press Row, which I'm rarely at. Uh, it was a lot of fun, Cody. Thanks for jumping on with me, man. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you inviting me. Uh, interesting conversations being had over the weekend, I feel like, by a lot of the wrestling community and especially those of us on Press Row. So maybe we continue that today. I'm not sure. I'm following your lead here. Yeah, it was normally when I'm there, I'm running around, you know, like either talking to coaches for USA wrestling podcast events, stuff like that. And it was a different thing. I did the interviews on Sunday morning, but for the most part, I was with you and Earl and Gary Abbott. And uh, one of my friends, Zerwa Tenney was nice enough to take a picture of us, which was a lot of fun. But I mean, there was a lot of interesting conversations. I like those talks because you don't have to agree with smart people. It's just nice to hear the other side of it and the why and and most of those conversations are fun, Cody, because you're not, no one's really right or wrong. We just have to wait and see how it plays out, right? Yeah, right. Kind of a meshing of, you know, wrestling minds and ideas and, you know, because like, I mean, let's just jump into it, right? The attendance part was was a kind of an interesting conversation point when it came yeah. to the world team trials, right? And so there were a lot of good conversations going on online. We were all sitting there on press row, like, well, what do you do? Should we tweak it? How do we tweak it? Why do we tweak it? Like what, what's the right answer? We don't know. And so that's, that's why those conversations were interesting, right? Cause we're all trying to push the sport forward, but it's like, okay, like, what do we, what do we think is the best way to do that? Why? Like, that's what made those conversations so interesting. Yeah. And everybody, my mom's a communications teacher and she teaches a lot of that out of that book the seven habits of effective people and one of those habits is seek first to understand and then to be understood and if you follow that premise it's important to understand where that person comes from like you're you have a different background than i do you're a younger guy than i am we grew up in the midwest but not in the same place you live in a state now that's wrestling crazy and i live in a city that's baseball and hockey crazy um your day-to-day -day stuff involved in wrestling is different than mine, but we both love wrestling. We both love how it impacted our lives. We both want to take whatever skills or gifts God gave us and try to make the sport better. And uh, so it's interesting. I, we can talk about the attendance. We can start with that. You know, I, I talked to somebody about that on the phone yesterday and you know, my, you know, obviously we're on USA wrestling's airwaves, but, you know, my feeling is this. I think USA Wrestling is trying to do the very best at the end, which is world and Olympic gold medals and medals, just period, medals. It'd be hard to argue they're not doing a really, really good job, you know, that when you look at the 2020 Olympics, which were in 21, it was, I think, the most successful Olympics ever with the possible exception of the boycott year, which – you know, those guys all deserve what they won, but it's a huge asterisk when you take those specific countries out. If the argument is we want to make the other events that lead up to that bigger, only room for improvement. 
But the idea that we let the best person sit, they don't have to peak as many times. They have a better chance of being healthy when it really, really counts. And these coaches are doing, you know, they only have to break, I only have to, you only have to break tape down of me and then of four foreign wrestlers, maybe five foreign wrestlers. It's hard to argue that these RTCs around the country are not figuring it out and getting it done in a really good way. No, they've, the results have been fantastic on the world and Olympic level at the senior level. Um, you know, we see the, the women especially have really kind of caught up to what the men have been able to do. I mean, you mentioned the Olympics, what they took all six, five wrestled for medals, um, four came away with medals, um, which, you know, before Tokyo, there had only ever been like five Olympic women's wrestling medalists at the Olympics all time for team USA. Like, yeah, you, you nailed it really hard to argue. I guess my counter to that would be, you know, cause I'm in favor of changing up the format. Um, you know, I'm not sure that I'm the biggest fan of final X if we're thinking of the sport at large, like, I think you nailed it that there's, you know, they've done, there's been a lot of good that's come out of it, but I guess my, my, my question would be what harm would it do to the incumbents? you know, those who previously made world teams, those who previously won world medals to have to stay sharp one more time and win another tournament in order to defend their spot. Um, you know, cause I think, I think I'm in favor of bringing the world team members back into the world team trials challenge tournament and just making it a one weekend, one tournament deal where we decide our team at the end of the tournament, you know, cause then that could allow for more training time. That's something that's, um, you know, the world team could be together. You know, you're, you're not stretching the process over the course of, you know, what, a month and a half, two months where, you know, people who do get all the way to final X that aren't the incumbent, you know, they, they, they have to peak, you know, two, sometimes three times in order to get to that point. Right. That's, you know, that makes it really hard to unseat the guy or gal who, who held the spot before. Right. Um, if they, if they meddle. So again, if you don't meddle, you just go into the bracket. So yeah. let's, let's take a 50,000 foot view for people that aren't as big a dorks about wrestling as you and I are. <laughs> it's there's, it's a gigantic funnel. Okay. And there's multiple ways to sort of start at the top of the funnel. You can, you can place at the U S open. You can be an NCAA all American in the women's. You can be an AIA or the yeah, there's a lot of ways to qualify for the world team trials. Yeah. To originally get into basically the U S open or the world team trials. There's a bunch of people that get into the world team trials. If you didn't hit any of those criteria, you can go to the U S open. And if you place high enough, you now go into the world team trial. So that's sort of levels one and two. Then the world team trials are held and they end up with two wrestlers out of that. Either two wrestlers from world team trials, if no one meddled at the weight, or the winner of the world team trials versus the returning medalist. Uh, in this case, this year was a unique year where two medalists did not accept their bids, one because of the WWE and one because of pregnancy. And <laughs> so, two pretty good reasons. <laughs> but normally everyone accepts. And the other thing that they've done really well, the um, USA Wrestling has done is, you know, the non-Olympic weights get preferential treatment into the Olympic weights if they choose to move up or down. But so now let's say Cody's a returning gold medalist, silver medalist, bronze medalist, doesn't matter at 57 kgs. And I cut off a limb and a leg and now I'm down to 57 kgs and I win the world team trials, then I go into the match with Cody, which will be held at either Stillwater or New York city. So that's the, the big view. If what you're essentially saying is let's, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is combine Vegas, Coralville, 
Stillwater and New York City into one gigantic tournament? Not sort of. So like, like if we're going to call something the world team trials, like the world team should be decided at the end of that tournament, right? In theory. No, no, you know, the name makes sense. So yeah, you'd like to like, call it the final X qualifier. It's basically what it is, right? Like that's Wait, no, you know, I mean like, you, just truth and labeling is what you'd like to like to have it. Perhaps. I, I would also like to just consolidate the process. I think it should be a two-step process. You qualify for the world team trials, and then you have to win the world team trials. Now we can keep all the criteria that it requires to qualify for the world team trials. Um, you know, you medal top seven at the US Open, NCAA All Americans top three, you win certain tournaments, you know, last chance, Bill Farrell, whatever the case may be. Um you know, and, and I'm and I'm of the belief that, you know, if 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 I were in charge and I'm not for various reasons, but if I was in charge, returning world team members, whether or not they win a medal, automatically the one seed at the world team trials. And then if you want to continue to place importance on the US Open, US Open champ can be the two seed at that weight. And then you seed the rest of the qualifiers in, you wrestle till you get your finalists on day one, and then day two, you do your best of three series. Um, cause there's a lot of reasons why final X came about, right. It was kind of a cool marketing promotional type thing. Um, you know, but then also like the returning medalists, world medalists that got to sit out, um, those that had to navigate the challenge tournament, they would do that on like a Saturday and then they would wrestle their best of three series on Sunday. So the, the returning medalist was fresh, right? So they did that to maybe space out time a little bit for the yeah. challenge trial, like the trials challenge champ. So um, you're, you're better at the dates. The year that it was in Lincoln where David Taylor and Jaden had that epic two out of three that was like on the mat that was ended up being super wet. That was 2017, correct? Yeah. 2017 yeah. or 18. I think it was 17. So anyway, I was lucky enough to coach in that tournament. I coached Savion Severado, who made the finals of the juniors team and uh, was not as involved with U.S. I was actually with track, so I wasn't involved with USA Wrestling at all. But because I was coaching, I had a pretty good seat for the finals. And that was where JB and Dake had that epic two out of three match where Dake won a match and then it went and almost won the other match. And there's a brick challenge. And then the third one where Dake's almost got him in the crowd throw and Jordan wins. I think the most interesting person to talk about all of this would be Kyle Dake because I think he's been on both sides of it, right? Like for years, he was the voice of him and Rob Cole were the voice of, hey, man, this isn't fair. Dake I mean, look, historically, he had a point. It's really hard to unseat the incumbent. And now, you know, now that he's in the position, you know, first at 79, now at 74, like, I that's an interesting point. I'd be curious to see if his tune changed a little bit. But, like, the point still stands. What they were harping on back then, like, it's hard to unseat the incumbent. You know, I mean, we were that's, that's part of the conversation we were having on Press Row this past weekend. Yeah, I think that was a big driver of it, right? But, again, like, Mensa stock, I, here's where I think I disagree with you. I don't think Mensa stock should have the same situation as Kayla Miracle. You know, somebody won the Olympics. And let's, the, I'm just using the Olympics and let's say this was now 21. Okay. But she won and Kayla didn't medal. It feels like them both being the one seed somehow doesn't seem fair. You know, so well, they're the, I, they're the world team member. That's the thought process. Like they won it, the but spot. To me, there's like, I mean, there's like, it's like saying there's, you know, there's, uh, there's supermodels and then there's supermodels, right? You know, like there's world team member and then there's world team members, right? There's people that made it, which is, you know, they're both a hell of a lot better than you and I ever were. Okay. But then there's people that medal 
And then there's people that win. And those are all different. I mean, you're a historian of the sport. I, I'd like to say I'm an historian of the sport, but I don't remember every world team member from the last 20 years, but I think I got a pretty good idea of who meddled in, especially the winners. Right. Well, I'm, I guess the, the, the angle I'm coming from in terms of just consolidation and simplifying is, I mean, it's just that it's consolidating and it's simplifying because like, right. It's like, it's a good, like try to explain the world team trials process to a non-wrestling person. It's hard. Like, it's really like, you kind of have to go into, you know, like, yeah, you qualify for this tournament and then you have to win this tournament. And then if there's somebody who is also really good at that weight, they have to win another of it. And it's like, you have to, it's a three-step process. Like it's really, it's a confusing so, thing. So how do we simplify it? That's what I'm coming from. So I love that point. And I say this to Mark and Grant, like I'll take that same concept of how complicated it is to college. Okay. Most of the competitions are the, you're, you're Cody. I don't know anything about wrestling. Goodwin. So Cody, most of the time it's just one team against another and the guy gets three, four, five, or six for winning, depending on how much he wins. Then they go to a, during the season, they go to a lot of one day and two day tournaments. The team scoring is completely different. You get points for taking six. As soon as you make the final four, you get points. Like then they go to the big tournament and it's three days and you get different points for pinning a person in a tournament than you do in a dual meet. Like, it's so complicated. Like I call it the girlfriend test, right? Like if you're watching with your girlfriend and you're, you're an Iowa fan, is that a fair statement? No, I'm a Mizzou fan. You knew this. You're a Mizzou fan. Okay. You're a Mizzou fan. That's right. You still owe me wings on that bet. So <laughs> you know, tool pins in the quarterfinals of nationals. It is difficult to explain to the girlfriend. He just got nine points. Well, see, then I would like, that's, I don't, I don't cross that bridge unless they meet me halfway, you know, like if I'm explaining the NCAA wrestling postseason, I explain it how like it's, you do the regular season with one team versus another team, but then the postseason is a lot more like track and field where you have a bunch of different weights, you know, or in the case of track and field, a bunch of different events and everybody scores points and the most team, the team that accrues the most points through all 10 weights wins at the end of it. And that that tends to help, at least in my experience, when it comes. No, to No, no, that's a great that. yeah. that's a great See, analogy. Sim simplifying, right? Simplifying. That, that's what we're trying to do here. I also think that there's a reason why track and field and wrestling aren't as popular as, like, say, football. Because, like, football, to me, it almost feels like this: that how you score points, and maybe your track and field analogy is a better one, but it almost feels like in football, like, okay, now it's four downs and twelve yards for a first down. Like you're not, it doesn't feel like you're scoring exactly the same way. Like a, the bigger picture I think is like, Hey, in tournaments, your best guys or girls win the tournament women and in duels, your worst ones do. Like if you're way better than me, I can just only lose my 14 points. That's super helpful. You know, I only gave up four, not five or six, but in a, in a tournament, I'm going to go in two either way. You know, if I'm, if I'm not very good. I might not even get in the tournament if I'm not that good. You don't like the Nationals at the end of the year. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about the results of World Team Trials. Uh, we won't, we're not going to fly. You mean, you mean the, the Final X Qualifier? Final X Qualifier. The FXQ. Okay. <laughs> Since we're on USA Wrestling, I'm going to call it the World Team Trials. <laughs> what were, just broad strokes, what were your takeaways? And then maybe we'll dive a little deeper. Um. You know, th there were there were some 
encouraging performances, but I think by and large, I don't know that there were too many big surprises, if that makes sense. I think the, what the weights to watch 70 kilo, like that one probably went how a lot of us probably thought it would, right? You got J.O. and you got Zane coming out and they're going to wrestle at Final X for the world team spot. 79 maybe went a little bit differently than some of us thought. Um, you know, Chance Marsteller beats Vincenzo in, you know, a winner take all in the best of three final series to advance to Final X. Um, I think a lot of us maybe thought, you know, Alex Daringer would probably be the guy to come out and maybe make a run there. But even after Vincenzo beat him at the U.S. Open, but, um, you know, give credit to... Uh, um, you know, Vincenzo won for basically what training for a month before the U.S. Open and then just continuing to train through and, and get to the world team trials. Give a lot of credit to Chance Marsteller. What a cool story that is. Right. Um, you know, that's it. That's at 79 kilos. You know, he I mean, and look at who he beat. Um, Starachi, so I, have his, I have his path pulled up here. So he was the five. Yeah. Starachi, McFadden four. and then Chenzo twice in three matches like that is that's not easy, man. Like that's real. That was really cool to see um, unfold. That was a fun story to follow through the weekend. Yeah. So we can start at 79 on the men's side. So, I mean, it was, it's what's weird about all these weights is that I talked to Gary Abbott about this in men and women's freestyle. The U S open champ was automatically the number one seat, not the same in Greco, which is another caveat. Clearly McFadden deserved to be just, if you go off the U S open, which you should, you know, McFadden beat Chenzo, Chenzo beat Deringer. I think Deringer must've placed ahead of Marsteller. Not sure exactly the criteria for how you, you know, sort of thread the needle with Starachi, but you get to where you get, uh, if you like Starachi was a very popular pick, including Jordan Burroughs. And for he did a really good job that match. And he did come uh, back and take third. Um, you know, so he's in one of those true third matches. I think he's got to wrestle Chenzo for a true third. In any case, yeah. Who does? Starachi. He ended he ended up beating Ringer on the backside. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. That that was actually to me, that was one of the bigger takeaways that Ringer wasn't in the top four. Uh, a little surprising, but that kind of speaks to the depth of the way, right? It does. And what's really sort of terrifying is that the king still lives at this weight, and all of them are going up or down in two years. Dude, we were <laughs> cracking jokes about that. Like, you know, Chance Marsteller had one heck of a weekend, and it's like, congratulations. Now you get to wrestle Jordan Burroughs at least twice, potentially three times. <laughs> like, <laughs> when I think he'd be here for all that smoke if he got to match three. That means he's, you know, he, he won a match, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, like this weight's really crazy. Imar, you know, doesn't medal. I mean, just, just and then, you know, you got the young guns like a Braden Thompson out of a high school kid out of Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, this was a fun weight. This was, yeah. When, you, when you've got two, you know, two guys that combined for five NCAA titles in the quarterfinals with Ringer and, and Imar, you know. Right. And then yeah. that's just, you know, Taylor Lujan, I know didn't have maybe his best tournament, but like that guy was the one seed during the COVID season or the, the season the NCAA yeah. championships that COVID canceled, like just, just a stacked weight, right. Which I think is what made it so intriguing going in and, and Marsteller ran the gauntlet to, to advance. Um, that yeah. was, a, that was a heck of a performance from him. 70, I think surprised me just cause I thought, Pan, I thought Pantaleo would make the finals. Yeah. I mean, Hey, he got to the semis, like, you know, that's a big win over uh Tyler Berger in the quarters. And then Berger, I think wrestled all the way back to third. So, you know, that's good win for Pantaleo there, but that's, you know, this is another, pretty deep weight, right? Look at the semis, Pantaleo, Rutherford, Oliver, Deacon. Right. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's not like a shot. I mean, like Sammy Sasso, who, you know, 
is still really good in, in college, you know, loses 10-0 in the quarters. I mean, in the, you know, the conversation you and I had a lot, the comment came up a lot. There's levels to this, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so again, it's like, these guys should all be proud of the level they are and they're all trying to level up. I just have, I watched Pantaleo wrestle a bunch last year. I watched him at the Rudis event and just, he seemed like he was on a really good role and he seemed like he really knew how to wrestle Jordan Oliver. It feels like the Rutherford draw was not great for him. To me, the story of men's freestyle besides the two weights that you talked about was Evan Henderson. Dude, so. he, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was an incredible, what he beat Lugo, Maple, Nick Lee. Now he's got Yanni um, in, in final X best two or three for the spot at 65. Yeah, man. Like, and, and look at the scores, right? Seven, four over Lugo. Like Lugo doesn't, he hasn't given up seven points in Lord knows when, like even when he lost to Maple at the open, it was like three to two. Yeah. Um, you know, then he beats Maple, the open champ five to two, and then 12 to 11 over Nick Lee. That, that one kind of stamped it. You know, because Henderson's always been this dude, you know him, like he, he's a little bit of a high flyer. He's got offense, you know, he's going to put points on the board. Sometimes he'll give up points to score points. Um, But to be able to just kind of always stay a point or two ahead of Nick Lee, like that's a hard thing to do. That's when I was like, all right, like maybe he's got something. Yanni's, Yanni's going to be a beast. But like, I think a lot of people would have said the same thing about Nick Lee, right? Who tore through Josh Saunders, your boy. Uh, Matt Kolodzik in the quarters like that's you know we know how good Nick Lee is and Henderson just he found a way like he gritted it out it's it, it was really impressive to watch him keep going and Nick Lee beat Yanni at the Olympic trials you know yeah. so like you know if you just go off freestyle results you know I mean if you've set gambling odds I'm not sure what the odds would be but the Nick Lee versus Yanni would be much closer to even money than probably Yanni and Henderson will be so I just had Henderson on Matt chat. It just came out late last night. Super interesting guy. Actually took his seat at the Iowa Athletic Club by accident and ended up <laughs> buying him lunch for doing that. Um, you know, he's bounced around at a lot of different clubs. So I think I told you I was doing those interviews on Sunday morning and I walked in the back to interview somebody. It was right after Nick Lee had hit a fireman's on Henderson and it was – 6-0 Nick Lee. And then it eventually became 8-0 Nick Lee. And then Henderson comes all the way back. I don't want to ruin the pod. I think it's worth watching or listening to just hear how he thought when he's down 8-0. Because yeah. I think how he thinks at 0-8 is different than 99% of us think. Well, what he, he had a really funny joke coming off you know, cause that, that semifinal was a Sunday morning match. Right. So he, he right. comes off behind and you were probably there, you know, I'm a zombie. You can't kill me. Like that's, you know, that yeah. was probably, that was right off the mat. So, you know, he's still probably locked in and in his own at that point, but that's, you know, easy dude to root for people should go listen to your show. He's very, very likable. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a very likable guy. Uh, he, he had this saying that says he dies. I rise. And, you know, I feel like that's going to, you know, should end up on a lot of people's walls and, um, you know, wrestling rooms across America. Just he just has a very good mindset. Um, the women's freestyle did. I guess I'll go first here. The one that really sort of stuck out to me was was Dom Parrish. You know, I, I saw her wrestle at the Pan Ams and, you know, got a chance. She was one of those interviews we got. And she's her mindset is really good out there in Sunkist. Like she's 
she's really in a good place mentally. And there's a ton of those uh, sun-kissed ladies that are in a really good position right now. So they got a good thing going when it comes to women's freestyle. Um, you know, not just the, you know, Kayla Miracle Forest, Dom Parrish, um, you know, but they've also, you know, that the Blade sisters are coming there. Katie Gomez recently committed to the Sunkissed RTC, you know, because Arizona State doesn't have a women's program yet. So they're just kind of, you know, loading up the the Sunkissed RTC with a bunch of high, high level women's freestylers, which is really, really cool. Um yeah, I mean, it's I. This is you know the, the tangential conversation to how we kind of started the podcast. Like I, there were a few weights, um, you know, and Parishes being one of them, fifty three kilos, right? Where it was two semifinal matches. They both happened on Sunday morning, and it's like cool. They both won, and now they both advanced to final X, right? Dom Parish has uh, Felicity Taylor, who's an Iowa native, um, became a superstar or furthered her stardom at McKendry, right? She was a junior national champ. Yeah. She's been to the collegiate national finals four times. Um, that's an intriguing weight because, you know, both of these women have made age level world teams. I think they were on the same U23 team. Um, and now one of them will rep us in, uh, in Bulgaria later this summer. So that'll, that's an intriguing little weight there. Um, and I'm excited to see that final X matchup. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm going to share another tab because I never win these bets. And <laughs> I won this week. So these are our picks. So, Cody, uh, Mark, GT, and I made picks. The black ink is if we picked the person that was right. The red ink is if what we picked is wrong. Just to go quick, we did it in men's freestyle, women's freestyle, and Greco. Mark went six and seven, six and eight, and 15 and four. GT, was seven, GT was seven and six, six and eight, 13 and six. But your boy, seven and six, eight and six, 17 and two, baby. Not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> to me, this kind of tells you where the surprises are, too. Like, I think men's freestyle was interesting, too, with Seth Gross pinning Megalutis. I thought that was pretty surprising. And DeShazer making the finals is pretty surprising. Um, you yeah, know, that one was, was intriguing just because we know who Seth Gross is. But, um, you know, and then you and me might know who Daniel DeShazer is or have known of him maybe longer than others just because he's, he's, he's from Kansas. But... You yeah, know, he finally put together a, an almost complete tournament. I say almost because Gross got him in in the finals on Sunday, but that was you know he's looked as good as he. And even then, in the second match, um, maybe a little bit better mat awareness. And there's a match three in that series. But um, hey, give credit to to Seth Gross, um, who is another person that just does not seem to go away when it comes to senior men's freestyle. No, for sure. So to to touch on the Greco, to me the biggest story and I know him cause he wrestled in my event and he's a super likable, I, I guess I'll call him a young man, not a kid is Kamal Bay being back. And that uh, was, that was exciting to hear his name over the, over the loudspeaker. Um, you know, I'm sure if there were more fans in the stands, there, there would have been a little bit juice to hear him. Cause he's, you know, he's that high flyer, big Greco thrower, um, you know, who's very good domestically and is still, you know, he's, he's kind of scratching that, you know, international stuff the way Tracy for years was just trying to, you know, trying to figure out international Greco, right? Because there's a difference between domestic and international. And, um, you know, maybe this is the year he finally breaks through, right? Yeah. I, I mean, he's still got to do, he's got to wrestle Britain, you know, yeah. and make the team, but I just, you know, I, I'm very good friends with Mike Powell. 
Mike River Forest. Um, and Mike Powell's one of those guys. If you don't like Mike Powell, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Another guy that's growing wrestling and has grown wrestling in multiple ways. Uh, I let me give a shout out to them. The Beat the Street Chicago organization is running their gala next weekend. They do great they are work out there. Taking donations. Um, I this next weekend's kind of a great slash terrible weekend because I wanted to go to Final X. I wanted to go to Spire and I'm going to go to Chicago um, because I'm uh, honored to be a advisory board member there and uh, really proud of what they do and to be one one hundredth of one percent of that. So um, plus it gives me a, a chance to get out of sweatsuits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and nothing wrong with being comfy, man. I'm going to have a good hair day. It's going to be good. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, obviously I know Kamal, he actually wrestled on our event a couple years ago. He wrestled Aaron Brooks in a, a three style match. So we can do this a couple ways, Cody. You can, do you want to make final X picks? We'll put them on wax. You can get in on the contest with us. Sure. You know what? Let's do it. All right. Way, way so too we'll early do- guesses here. Yeah, way too well. You know, some of them are not that far, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess what know, June third. So that's yeah, you know, a week from now. Yeah. So, all right. So here we go. Who you got here, Sammy or Thilke? Oh, uh, I like Jesse Thilke. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll roll with him at sixty three. Greco. Okay, two matches or three. Um. Who I think two matches, but two very close matches. Diamond or Yolana? Um, I like Diamond. She looks she looked really, really good this weekend. Two or three. Um, we'll go three. Schultz or Tanner? Uh Schultz and two. Big Colton Schultz, Coltrane. Tanner J O. Um, I'm taking J O in three. That's that. That's probably the marquee. It's hilarious that that's the fourth bout at Final X Stillwater because that's maybe one of the marquee matchups of the entire thing. I think that's the most that one in the Jenna Jakara match. I feel like, yeah. And I think Gilman Vito sort of low key sneaky good because Vito made some nice adjustments to the Olympic Trust. We'll, but we'll get there. Okay, Pat Smith, the most the most easily pronounced name in Greco versus the most exciting man in Greco. Um, Benji P. Um, I'll take Pat Smith in two. I, I I think Benji's almost there, but maybe not quite there just yet. All right, Basham Nettie. Uh, Nettie in three. I like the way Lexi Basham wrestles, though. She's tough. Provisor Woods. Provisor in two. Shout out Grandview. Shout out Grandview. Shout out GT. <laughs> <laughs> Might have had a little bit to do with that recruiting process. Uh, Gilman Vito. Um, I'll take Gilman in two. Nowry Koontz. Um, I like Max Nowry in two. Dayton Gross. Dayton in two. Jenna Jakara. Mm, I'm going Jenna in three. But you're like, right. You don't, I don't care who you pick, but if you don't pick three, I'd be shocked. <laughs> that's yeah. I, I, I'm going with Jenna there, but that's you're right. That that along with probably Zane Jo and and maybe kind of quietly um, Gilman Vito, um, probably the the marquee matchups at least on this first card in Stillwater. Yeah. Jaden Nate. Um, I'll take Jaden in two. Although shout out Nate Jackson four and zero in Coralville 
and outscored his opponents 40 to zero, just kind of came in, swept up, and went home. Just and real did the same thing the week before at the last chance. Yeah, just real, real impressive. Yeah. Snowflake Melty. Ooh, Forrest and three. Okay. Uh, Snyder, Colin Moore, I feel very comfortable what you're going here, but go ahead. <laughs> Snyder, Snyder and two. Uh, Tamira and Sienna. I'll take Tamara and uh, two. Okay. All right. Second. So here Final we start out, with, York. start out with a banger, Holmes and Bay. I know, right? The great Greco stuff to to start off both these cards. Um yeah. I think I'll take I'll take Holmes in three. Oh, okay. All right. Grody Allure. Um, I'll go Allure in two. And this is the weight. Um th- this is the weight that's uh normally No, this is a non Olympic weight. It's seventy you're thinking oh. seventy six with Adeline? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. I looked at it, I'm like, that's the wrong number. Yeah. Okay, Evan Yanni. And these guys trained together for over a year, Evan told me. Um, I'm still gonna go Yanni in two. There's he's Yanni just two. a little we bit. Should... See, see the, okay, so a matchup like this is what would make a world team trials in one weekend in two days all the more interesting because Evan Henderson would blow through the top half of that bracket on Saturday, and he would make so many big fans because everybody would be in the seats watching this thing. And I got you. Yeah. And then they would come back the next day and it's like, oh my gosh, can he do it? Can he unseat Yanni? And it would just, it would be all sorts of hype. Don't disagree. Vera Young. Um, I'll take Vera in two. Okay. Silmer Gwiz. This one is interesting to me. It's very interesting because I, I, I got to go Gwiz in two. Like just a little bit, a little bit more confident in, in what he brings to 125. But I'll tell you what, like Zilmer, Zilmer could... I don't know. Zilmer's got some, his style is just intriguing to me the way it matches up with Gwiz. So I, I think, I think it'll be two very entertaining matches. I think Zilmer's got the style like Gwiz does really well against slower, heavy footed, maybe stronger, certainly heavier guys, but the guys that are more than more athletic than him are usually present him troubles. And I'm not saying Zilmer's more athletic, but I feel like he's equally athletic. And obviously we don't, we know that whole story about he, him and, you know, Don Bradley being in the same Fargo tournament, you know, 200 pounds apart, basically. So, I mean, Somer's got little guy skills. Also, okay. shout out to Don Bradley for making another national team because that guy is the ageless wonder. Shout out Missouri. Shout out Kansas City. Shout out Blue, Blue Springs. Springs. Yeah, there you go. Sancho Nutter. Um, I'll go Sancho in two. Okay. Felicity and Dom. Um. I'm going Felicity in three. I think I, I think she could do this. Okay. Shout out South Winnesheek. <laughs> Dalton Roberts, Ildar, Avisa. Uh, I'll go Ildar in three. I think Roberts gets a match. Kayla, Jennifer Rogers. Uh, Kayla in two. Yeah, that's a rematch of the uh, U.S. Open final, which lasted like 30 seconds. Yeah. Hancock, Amos. Uh, Hancock in two. Okay. A classic battle of international Greco versus domestic Greco. There you go. Uh, Sarah Hildebrand, Alyssa Lampy. Uh, Sarah Hildebrand in two. Dakin two. I'll take Dakin two, but I think that'll be two interesting matches against Jason Nall. For some reason, I talked myself into thinking that that could be an interesting series, even though I think Dake is, again, levels to this game. Well, Dake sunned him at the Olympic trials. So. Right. Yeah. That that's you know. 
A little he did crazy. do that. Helen and Hedrick. I'll take Helen in two. Okay. JB Marsteller. Uh, JB in two very interesting matches. I'm dude. Chance looks so good and just stylistically, like, I don't know, like he's he's just a tank. So like, I'm very yeah. curious to kind of see how JB handles that. I, I think he. What's really interesting is I kind of wanted to see uh, uh, Burroughs against Vincenzo. Just you know those the wall of hips there. You know, like I wanted to see JB hit him with that double and see what happened. You know, like yeah. would he, would he or would he get brought up? Like throwing I mean, a Mento in a Diet Coke bottle. Like let's just kind of <laughs> maybe something cool happens. Maybe it's just a mess. I don't know. Like let's. It, I hear you though. I'm so old. I, I thought pop rocks. But yeah, like, that works too. That, that works, works too. So and, and also Chenzo just like goes into situations like that fearless. So it's like he gets a random underhook and like when's the last time JB had to defend an underhook and blank, you know, hips come yeah. to the party and things get weird. Or, you know, Chenzo gets that overhook and you get too comfortable, right? Like, I mean, yeah, that too. Yeah. But also like I like that matchup specifically, like I feel like Chance has the ability to slow matches down sometimes. Whereas like Chinzo is just probably like he brought, he does too, but it's just like high flying all the time. And like, I just, I guess JB speed. I think that would have been an X factor against Chinzo. Whereas like against chance, I think it's still an X factor, but I just don't know how much. I talked to Kendall cross about Marsteller and I'm not going to talk about who he was wrestling or would be wrestling, but I said, what's the plan? He goes, the rest, the, the less wrestling, the better. That's what he means. Like, the more we hand fight, he's like, we can't be taken, you know, super long across the body, high crotches. And that's the blessing of, of building relationships with these kind of guys and these coaches. Like it's just, sometimes they tell you something you never thought of. Sometimes he tell you something that you actually thought of and it makes you feel even smarter, but it's really fun. You and I were on the Burroughs presser yesterday, correct? Yesterday morning. Yeah, I, was, I sat there and listened to it. Yeah. Uh, First of all, let let us all ask one question and people instead of people asking three and four part questions in the future. <laughs> Second of all, Burroughs said the match he's most intrigued by is the last match here, which is DT Zahid. So who you got? Um, I'm going DT in two, but I think it'll be two. I think Zahid will give him a fight. I I, I really do. Um Zahid has looked really good since his kind of return to freestyle. He was very, very impressive last weekend in Coralville. He here's a I think we were sitting there during the first Zahid Mark Hall match in their best of three final. And this blew me away. What the last time, the last four times that Zahid and Mark Hall have wrestled freestyle matches, Mark Hall has scored exactly zero points on him. Like yeah, that, Dave, Dave was, Matthews told us that. Shout yeah. Out. That was yeah, shout out Dave Matthews. That was an incredibly hard stat to believe. Um, but you could tell probably midway through the second period of the second match that Zahid just, he, he was just a bear. And there was just, you know, I've never seen Mark Hall stunned like that, but you know, Zahid's that good, right? It's almost like it was a reminder like, oh yeah, this guy was a two-time NCAA champ for a reason. And what and, a junior, so junior world silver medalist, like he's good. Yeah, And that COVID year when he had that problem, but he would have been the number one seed, you know, if, if he hadn't gotten any trouble. So, I mean, yeah. 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 All right. Two last things to talk about. One, I texted you about Taylor Lamont from Utah Valley to Wisconsin. So we think he goes 33 and Barnett stays at 25 is because of Greco 
That's my thought, right? Because Lamont Russell's 60 kilo, um, which is what, roughly 132, 133. So that just, it makes sense for him to kind of build into into that weight a little bit more. Um, but, you know, he, I mean, that's another All-American in the Big Ten and, and more specifically in Wisconsin lineup, um, which makes them a little bit more intriguing in terms of, you know, Big Ten duels and then obviously, you know, tournament firepower potential. So that's 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 an intriguing little pickup there for for Chris Bono. Wisconsin's been very good in the portal. <laughs> quietly yes they've been they've been quite good you know because you look at and not just that but you know i guess what gomez was the other one but they've also got Hamidi coming back they've got you know Hamidi was just freshman this year um hilger i think is coming back for one more year so that's another guy who's who's been in all american twice um Braxton amos is a guy yeah that, you know yeah he got there he got to he got to the big dance um had some moments um right yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sneaky. And they lineup. also got Seth Gross in the portal. I mean, it's not shocking. Obviously, he followed, you know, yeah, reader. Yeah. But I mean, they've been very good in the portal in terms of points that have come over. A lot of people get guys and they don't make a difference. Like if you look at their portal moves and a percentage of their overall team score, it's pretty significant. Yeah, they they have found a way to capitalize quite a bit on the portal, which is, you know, fun things are building in Madison. Yeah. This last one really surprised me for two reasons. Michael Kemmer to the Spartan Combat RTC Wrestling Club. One, Kemmer looked like he was held together with gum, band-aids, and paper clips, you know, which to his credit, there's no insult there at all. Like most people would have called it a day. You know, the shoulder harness, the knee brace, you know, walking around his walking gait makes him look older than me um so i thought maybe he's just done and then two i'm surprised he's leaving iowa so you are up there were you surprised by either one of these do you have any sort of background information you could help us with um i mean i wasn't super surprised um you know because ithaca he's originally from pennsylvania ithaca takes him a little bit closer to home um takes him back to the northeast at the very least um you know the other thing he mentioned in in the spartan release and i haven't talked to him was just he you know he's excited to be affiliated with cornell and kind of tap into that alumni base you know cornell um a lot of um you, you know their degrees in economics and finance and accounting like hot held in very high regard which is what he did at iowa got a master's in finance um he's really good with numbers um you know My they say yeah right they, they say he's going to be a, a resident athlete in russell 79 um, again, I haven't talked to him. I'm not sure how much wrestling he'll actually do. I'd like to see him wrestle freestyle just because it's always fun to see Michael Kemmer wrestle. Um, but also they're going to have him there in a coaching capacity, um, you know, which is going to be good for the guys at the Spartan RTC. It's going to be good for the guys in the Cornell room because you look at who's already on staff, right? It's it's Mike Gray, Donnie Vincent, Kellen Russell, and Gwiz. So they have, you know, kind of the lightweights up to about 57 they got guys there. They got Gwiz for heavyweight 97. So then you bring in Michael Kemmer to kind of help with that 65 to 84 range. Makes perfect sense to me, right? Like that's a slam dunk home run higher for, for it's a great perspective. RTC. I hadn't Cornell. thought of it that way, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, thing, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. Yeah. No, I mean, I just, it, it, it made a lot of sense. And, and honestly, like I'm it, for those of us that know Michael Kemmer, he's, I, I think he's going to be a great coach. Um, you know, I, again, I hope he wrestles a little bit, but I think, um, this is really more to probably help him, you know, in terms of the, just the coaching transition, which I think will be really cool. And and also to tap into the Cornell alumni network, it'll help him out for, for life after wrestling, whenever he decides to open up that chapter as well. Yeah, for sure. I went to Washington university here in St. Louis and it's, 
you know, business schools top 20 in the country. And if you, you know, the, the, like you said, the networking is substantial there and, you know, just telling people you graduated from certain schools matter. So you're really good at the 50,000 foot view thing. You're also really good at, you know, the, the up close thing and being in Iowa, you know, here at, on USA wrestling, we do a lot more 50,000 foot view stuff. So I'm going to say this and correct me if I'm wrong and it won't hurt my feelings, but my understanding from reading different things is that Kemmer was the catalyst or at least one of the catalysts of starting the pipeline from Pennsylvania kids coming to Iowa. I know Strip Matter, Young Guns, his time there, but the story about how Brand literally got in his car and drove out there because a phone call or a recruiting trip or something didn't go the way he wanted it to go and got him and then the Caleb Youngs and eventually the Spencer Lees of the world followed him. A, is that story do I have that story fairly accurate? And then B, I'm a guy that coached in junior college for a lot of years and clearly understand the importance of recruiting. If that guy can be a catalyst for the kind of crew that they had up there, that feels like another low key subtle flux on, you know, the value of bringing him in. If he's the kind of guy that people want to follow, if he's a, you know, charismatic leadership qualities, probably be super helpful when they bring kids on recruiting visits. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, he was he was a huge part of, you know, the the Pennsylvania to Iowa pipeline, right? It actually it's funny um that that story which is absolutely true, recruiting visit goes wrong, Tom drives, you know, Tom Brands drives 700 miles through the night to to kind of correct it and and seal that recruiting job. Um that brought Kemmer out. Um the first one was actually Caleb Young. He quietly committed before, you know, Kemmer, before Marinelli, before Murin, before Spencer. Um, but Kemmer was the big one. Like he was the first one on campus from that Pennsylvania group, that Young Guns group. Um, you know, and and Spencer Lee has said, um, you know, if Kemmer didn't ended up going to Iowa City, I probably would not have ended up here either. So uh, yeah, his, okay. his 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 commitment and his inclusion in the program is huge in more ways than one. Yeah, so I'm glad I got that right. You didn't have to correct me on national radio. So. Yeah, but like you yeah. make a good point. Like that's kind of interesting, you know, what kind of impact, you know, in addition to coaching, in addition to being a guy that can roll around in the room with those weights, um, you know, in addition to potentially wrestling for a few more years, you know, what kind of impact can Michael Kemmer have in Ithaca with Cornell, a team that's, you know, a program that's already very, very, very good. Um, you know, I will what what's that going to do in terms of recruiting for Cornell as well? I think that's, that's a, that's an interesting point and um, you know, nothing but good things, right? Well, I can tell you this, when we got Deron win, we'd worked on him, you know, for a long time. And when Deron verbaled and he was kind enough to verbal in the fall and back then you couldn't sign in the fall, that's how old I am. And Deron is, he helped us get Jamel Jones, helped us get Aaron Senzi, who, you know, you're a Kansas city guy. Oh. Um, Yep. All three of those guys ended up with nationals for us. He helped us get Bobby Kahn, who was an All-American. Bobby got us Dirk Hearn. Donald Woods wanted to work out with those guys. And all those guys were All-Americans. And I don't think people necessarily understand the dominoes of that when you're not in the program. Yeah. You know, like my dad didn't even really understand it. And he was the head coach. But obviously, I was the guy doing all the recruiting. And I'm like, I think we're going to get all these guys. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I really do. Like, it was a lot of hustle and $500 a month cell phone bills back then when you paid by the minute, you know, but uh, there are certain kids, like young men, kids, whatever you want to call them, that are super charismatic and people want to be around them. And 
I don't think anybody would argue that Spencer Lee is not, didn't have a better college career than Michael Kemmer, you know, but like you said that Spencer said, he's probably not there if it's not for Michael Kemmer. So, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting because I know how much love the brands have for, and Morningstar have for Kemmer, the whole crew, Bobby Telford. That's a, or that's a guy that probably needs to be on a podcast because he does a great job and nobody ever talks to him. Um, but anyway, I just thought that's interesting. The Lamont thing was interesting. So listen, man, I appreciate you pinch hitting. Uh, it was fun. It's just, it's basically what we talked about, uh, on media row and just we recorded it. So it was, it's always fun talking to you, man. Um, I'm proud of you. You're doing really good things up there. No, man. I appreciate you reaching out and, um, yeah, they, I, I've always joked with some of the other like Iowa wrestling media people that like, man, if we just hit record on some of the conversations we have on press row during those events, we would, we, we could make a heck of a podcast. So, um, kind of funny that we're able to turn around here just a few days later and basically regurgitate what we were talking about. No, I had fun, man. Yeah, it's, you're, you're right. That And those things, you know, that's kind of how this whole podcast started. This one and the other one was just having conversations really with assistant coaches for Matt Chad. And then basically it's me and Austrian are just talking about what happened. And I'm like, we, we could probably, you know, at the time track wrestling was like, we originally did it with Andy Hamilton and then Alex Steen and Marcus Hain. So the list of people I've been, uh, I've been the Robin to their Batman is, is long and exclusive. So welcome to the club. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, I will see you. I'm guessing Fargo. Yeah, that'll well, no, the what you'll be down in Tulsa for junior duels, right? So I'll be down there um in less than a month at this point. I'm collecting wings. Just, <laughs> just want you to know. That enough Sounds time. like a plan. I'll be down there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get together with a bunch of those coaches. Junior duels are really fun. We're actually the next couple of match chats are gonna be previews of junior duels, I think. We're gonna get some of the coaches on, do round table. Uh so one last thing. Any uh guidance on dealing with adam fellers any i just just go with the flow man he is uh he's as free a spirit as you'll ever meet one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet yeah um, i'm teasing he, he's a good person he's he's a little out there um you know but he, he great heart good dude passionate um, yeah for sure yeah no I, t- I probably talk to him if not every day every other day we just trade messages back and forth he's an awesome guy so i will he made those winners win shirts at junior duels absolutely and, uh, he did when they won, he just walking around handing them out like Santa, and he hands you one. He's super funny. Like I don't know him that well. He's a Fort Dodge guy, so I kind of know him through Ostrander and, and uh, Moffitt and those guys. But he's like, I know you root for Oklahoma, but here you go. <laughs> I'm Switzerland, man. I don't root for anybody. I root for nobody to get hurt. <laughs> That's my thing. So, hey, we we quietly root for that team, Missouri, though. Sometimes you and I root for Missouri. I listen. You know, we're from here again. Like we root for all the teams that we have relationships with. But at the end of the day, we just want we don't want anybody to get cheated. We want everybody to have an opportunity, and then the chips fall where they may. Right? Thousand percent. All right, man. For Mark and Grant and Cody, I'm David. Thank you guys so much for watching, listening, and sharing. We'll talk to y'all next week.